recorded at Get a Grip Studios in Toronto, Canada. Get a Grip Management production and in association with the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. Presented by the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors, the National Lighting Bureau, the Illuminating Engineering Society, and of course, the International Dark Sky Association. This is Starving for Darkness. Hang on a second here, folks. That's right. Hang on a second. Michael Colligan, co-host of Starving for Darkness here. Just to tell you real quick before we get into the conversation, which is super important for you to hear, that you need to go to keystonetech.com. That's K-E-Y-S-T-O-N-E-T-E-C-H.com, especially if you're a contractor or a distributor, Greg Eric. That's right. And they're coming out with a new exterior line of product, or they have come out with it, and they're going to continue to add to it, and they're dedicated to making dark sky friendly lighting uh, and potentially dark sky compliant as we go. For now, though, they do have a dark sky full cutoff wall pack, a variety of wattages, Kelvin temperatures, and a precision crafted optical lens that's ideal for increased fixture spacing and uniformity. So less lighting fixtures needed because it, it can provide more light out of the one fixture. So check that out. Go to keystonetech.com. That's right. Hold on. Here comes Starving for Darkness. But before, K-E-Y-S-T-O-N-E-T-E-C-H.com. Hello, listeners and dark sky lovers. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Starving for Darkness. We're so pleased to have our guest today, Deep Anand. Deep is the Managing Director of Astronomy Life, uh, where they head up the initiative save our stars and i'm just so excited to talk to you today and we ask every guest the same request which is to please tell us about an experience that you had underneath the dark sky that was profound that moved you that touched your heart okay so first of all thank you for having me here and uh, an experience that really touched me was uh, when i was Around four or five, I used to live on the outskirts of the city, and uh, there we used to have a really great night sky. I mean, so so many stars. Uh, I mean, like if we compare about how I'm where I'm living right now to that, that will be a comparison of almost 99 percent. So uh, over there, uh, when I first uh, like, uh, there was a myth there that uh, at night we should not go up on the roof, but there was a superstition in that area. Uh, so, uh, but some, uh, some one day I went anyways, and and what I saw was that great night sky from the roof, and I just laid down there, and I passed out there only, and that was the moment I knew that I love stars. Hmm. Well, you talk about stars almost like you write love letters to them, and I really appreciate uh, how much you emotionalize your experience with the stars. And so I actually uh, was listening to one of your Instagram television episodes today, and you said that stars are the reason I started writing in the first place. Can you talk about how they inspired you to become a writer? All right, so uh, 
a few a few years back uh, i mean i used to write since uh, since i was 10 but uh, that was just you know uh, academically i am writing that uh, just for academically i am writing poems uh, whatever they ask me for assignments or something but uh, uh, three years back uh, uh, when i was uh, i was going through a bit of a bad phase so at that point when i uh, i was sitting on the roof and i saw the stars and i don't pop, just popped up in my mind and i started uh, comparing the tears to stars uh, from that moment i have been writing and i have been inspired from the night sky so you say you comparing so, the what to stars sorry i didn't catch that tears tears tears, tears. oh okay yeah uh and you know i i can relate i'm an emotional artist myself so i've i've definitely cried into my work in the past before i could totally relate to that and you know you mentioned to uh you mentioned van gogh and it's funny i i've seen van gogh mentioned so much lately with regard to the night sky and it seems obvious but i also think that there's a a, a layer deeper that is really interesting to point out and I i'm actually wearing starry night socks right now <laughs> and that seems kind of iconic and obvious but my point is that the the inspiration that van gogh captured from the night sky we are all obsessed with to the point where it's landed on my feet where you mention it in your work i mention it in an article i just recently wrote So Van Gogh really captures the inspiration that we are missing. So deep tell me about what you feel is lost when humanity no longer has access to the stars and to this inspiration. First of all the the most important thing that is lost is our inspiration and the spirituality. The inspiration we lose because uh, if we even even try to compare about the times of uh, of how curiosity and creativity has decreased over the time i mean that's not it is it is not a proven factor but still if it is a factor that we can look upon that mm-hmm. our creativity our inspiration is inspired by the night sky when we look up into the night sky we are revived and because that's how our sleep cycle that's how we are made that's how we have evolved the, uh, in the night that's that's how we are evolved in the night sky in at the night when we look at the stars we we feel we feel some uh, some special power that's going inside of us and that inspires us it uh, helps us learn it helps us learn more it helps us ride uh, be new because night is the time to revive yourself after a full long, whole long day and recap that whole day uh, in into in your mind only at the night Absolutely. So you are the managing director of Astronomy Be Life, um and one of your initiatives is Save Our Stars. So tell us about the work that you do and this initiative of yours. Okay, so uh, uh, our main mo- motive is to aware more and more people about the problem of light pollution. Because especially here in India, there's not even a a single point percent of population that knows about the problem and we can leave the factor that we can try, uh, we'll try to uh, eradicate it we don't even know about it yet so uh, i mean uh, that's what we uh, try to do and uh, for that we are we are uh, targeting schools and the uh, other educational institutions 
because uh, according to me uh, education at the point of uh, student life if we if we can add something into their curriculum that that will embrace that will embrace the curiosity of the student because at the uh, till the age of 18 the curiosity is the most in uh, in us so if we if if any of this uh, any of the if any of the students out of 100 can spark a curiosity in himself or herself that will make a lot of difference because we don't know what curiosity which curiosity will may lead to a uh, great research that will help us eradicate it or maybe help us uh, advocate it at a even greater level i think so, that's such a smart target to target children yeah uh so uh, that we uh, do webinars and uh, uh, that's how we do webinars and we do public outreach sessions and uh, we do evenings ka observations and nights ka observations uh, inside the school premises so that the parents can send them and be uh, be assured uh, they are safe and they are also enjoying the night sky on the other hand they are also uh, on the other hand they are also enjoying night sky and they are uh, using that experience to gain some uh, knowledge Well, I think the fact that you're targeting children is just a very nice way to bring this information to the next generation. And what kind of reaction do you get from the kids? What's something that's touched your heart? Uh the kids are I mean there are different reactions from everyone because the impact of night sky on everyone is unique. Some some kids already have some experience with the night sky that have led to a, ba- a bad impact on them or that have led to a good impact on them. It depends. It varies, but still, mostly uh, everyone everyone who uh, attends our seminars or our observations is uh, first of all it is am- amazed by the beauty of the night sky because that's what we focus on at the first point: the importance of the night sky and the beauty and the beauty that we are missing out. And after that, we move on to the problem, and then there. Are, Uh, then they are uh, actually surprised to see that this kind of problem also exists and they didn't even knew about it now the it's interesting that you you know you talk about an appeal to children um and the importance of it from a metaphysical perspective um which i find is is interesting the problem that we have with the metaphysical and this idea of not knowing what we've lost and you know appealing the children i think that in my in my mind i think there's there's something when we talk to people there's like almost a near psychedelic experience for people when they're they have these uh, moments you talk about van gogh there's definitely a feeling in the van gogh piece of you know uh, a magical image um the problem we face today in my mind and I'm, i think it's an issue in india as well is this concept of safety and safety becoming like a a virtue um that needs to be protected uh at all cost but most safety um uh measures are run not on proof but on axiomatic presuppositions so people believe that um more outdoor electric light at night equals more safety that's actually not proven um do you have any experience or anything that you can bring to that that table because one of the things we're trying to do at starving for darkness is um unpack that axiomatic pre- presupposition into pieces that can be um 
understood individually. Do you have any experience overcoming the safety hurdle in India? Yeah, actually, that's one of the biggest problems we face when we talk to the parents of the children or even uh, when we do public outreach, that is not in the school. So uh, that's the main concern of the people that uh, that that's a belief that is more light equals safety. So we we try every time we are we are doing a, a seminar or an observation, we try to have some props around us that we can show that more light does not mean safer. Any, I mean, uh, what we do is we take uh, the when we we reach the venue a day before, and we try to find a, a light source that is not uh, shielded properly. And then we uh, we uh, we uh, design we three D print a, a, a shield a shield for it. And then we uh, when people are there, they are we make, we fix a time for the demonstration. And then we demonstrate how the light is uh, going downwards only, and it's giving light to the portion that you need, but not uh, but not uh, dispersing it around. So some people are convinced by it. Some people are not because of uh, the uh, because of the the mass belief that uh, that more light is good. The you see the use the word belief, which is I think is interesting. You know, people have a belief in in this uh, outdoor electric lights equals safety presupposition. They believe in it, and so we need to figure out a way uh, deep to unpack that belief, right? So that. It's compartmentalized, yes, because we we're not you know we're not advocating for the uh, the elimination of uh, outdoor electric light at uh, at night, but we are advocating for doing it better and and for a focus on restoration of darkness. Um, you're saying that when you show people that some people are convinced and others aren't. Are the unconvinced giving you any reasons other than just being unconvinced? Just the conventional belief that uh, more light is good. They just they just stick to that point and they won't budge from it. Have you had any success? Because I, I can see I'm looking on your Instagram page here, which is uh, at save underscore our underscore stars. If you guys want to check it out that are listening. Um, you're very focused on this metaphysical, this um, uh, this experience of the stars. I believe that it's unsafe for us not to have those experiences actually i think people are damaged when they they don't have access and i think the rise of the the psychedelic drug phenomenon in the united states and canada and western nations along with other the increase and in, uh, you know jane's a yoga instructor and so I, I don't think there's anything wrong with practicing yoga or meditation practices but the increase of these things i think is related to us losing something that we all got very naturally from night skies um is there an argument there that we can make that not only is this beautiful and sublime and and um but it, it's also transcendental and important for us as a species and other species to experience on a regular basis. Can we make that argument? All right. So uh, that was a really good point that you mentioned about uh, the uh, light pollution affecting our mental illness and uh, mental health. And this has le uh, this leads to uh, a lot of mental illnesses that we uh, that we are unaware of, uh, and, the, and it affects our physical health also. 
and uh, we are missing out uh, this our, us ourselves missing out on this experience of the night sky and the and a proper night leads to sleep deprivation and uh, which in turn leads to uh, physical as well as mental uh, illnesses and the, uh, and actually according to me the uh, the problem the drug problem that you mentioned it has led uh, it has led, uh, increased because of uh, this uh, the problem of the light pollution only because uh, if, since we do not have uh, the proper experience of the night sky the uh, and it leads to uh, mental illness uh, increasing mental illnesses people uh, shift towards uh, shift towards drugs to uh, combat them uh, and so, since it, the drug problem was not a thing in the first place uh, after uh, after it started increasing it became a fashion statement so now uh, the the problem has uh, is not just uh, affected by the uh, affected by the loss of the night but also as a, also as a thing that can be considered cool i i completely agree that there is a relationship to what we're saying the escape of the night sky is and that lack that has potentially contributed to people's seeking of alternative routes of escape so it's it's an interesting parallel to draw because i think we've never had more access to alt mind altering drugs in this state of the world and we've also never had less as uh, access to the night sky so I, I firmly believe that if we could get our stars back, we could actually start thinking better and being better advocates for all other types of climate change, that this disconnection is actually fueling all the other climate change that's happening. <clears throat> and what I want to point out, actually, is that, you know, here you are, Deep, you're in Delhi? Uh, Delhi. Yes, and I'm in Cambridge, and Mike, you're in Toronto? Yep. So there's the three of us. We're all in three very separate parts of the world, and yet we have this shared heritage. And mm -hmm. it's not just from three people who have different countries. It's from us as humans and wildlife. We also share it with wildlife. Mm -hmm. So it's this amazing shared heritage across all living things. I want to know, though, because everyone has a unique experience with the night sky, what is the relationship that you see that people in your country have when they have access to the night sky? What is the relationship that you feel um, that is inspiring in your country? Uh, uh, actually, in my country, night sky is a proper night sky is available at a very few places now because uh, at, even at the rural areas, uh, they are using uh, unshielded lights, and the, and also the sky glow is affecting uh, affecting their night uh, affecting their view. But yes, when people have access uh, to the night sky, they feel really elevated. I have seen people being I have visited some places that are really dark, and uh, there are bottle one or bottle two skies, and people there who come there for camping or uh, who they come there for camping or just for the sake of a good night uh, good night they are really elevated to see how uh, how much they are missing out on how much uh, how much of a beautiful thing this is and which we cannot uh, which we cannot even see in most of the country it's literally a lack of perspective literally 
You know, yeah. people say you lack perspective. Well, you, people don't know where they live. Like, they don't know that they live in a universe. They can't see it. Yeah. Like, they live in an enormous universe that's filled with all manner of stars and our ancestors named them and there was constellations and they built pyramids to align with them every 12,500 years. Crazy stuff like that. And people can't see that anymore. That has to be devastating. There's no other description for it. And, and you know, what's interesting is that um, like most things devastating, it, fa it, effect, it in, in, in fact impacts the poor far more than it affects others. And in a country like India, where um, you have more poverty, the with the 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 light is even LED lights. That Jevons paradox we talk about quite a bit, um, uh, Jane. Where the cheaper something becomes, the more of it we seem to use. Plastic and um, LED light seem to fall very well into those categories. Um, how do we get? How did India? You're you're not even that old. How old are you, Deep? I'm seventeen. 17. He's seventeen years old. So within seven, so you went from being able to see the stars on a rooftop village in India to not being able to see the stars in your seventeen years. Yeah. Like that's in, that's incredible. That that's absolutely not incredible is the wrong word. That is um, like that is an invasion of a of a um it's an invasion of a uh of a like a um what do you call those things um the species uh that are not that don't belong in certain areas uh what are those things called um invader species? invasive species it's <laughs> an invasive, invasive species, species. So, yeah. or so you know c clouding out your ability to engage in your own universe and in 17 years less less than 17 years that is an astonishing rate, and it is, um, it's ab absolutely unbelievable to me that that happened that quickly, Jane. It's unbelievable, actually. Yes. So, actually, it's, it's funny because, Deep, I actually lived in India uh, for 2009 and 2010, and I very serendipitously ended up living with a family in the Delhi area. And we, they lived in Gurgaon, which is a little suburb south of India, sorry, south of Delhi. And even in the time that I lived with them, which was about five or six months, there was an amazing amount of buildup uh, of the surrounds, malls being constructed. And I, you know, that's 10 years ago. I can't even imagine the rate of building that was happening was immense. So how cheap and easy it is to install an LED. I just, I can't imagine how hard it would be to rein that in at the rate. I remember being at a party there and they said that India's um, rate of growth was I think in seven or 8% back then, it was way ahead of the world. So it was just an immense amount of growth that was happening. So I, I would imagine that there is a lot to educate and control and we're just so, thankful for your work to get the grassroots out there because i also you know in my time there uh india is a place of paradigms where you see the most deepest spiritual seeking and then also you'll see the other side of uh, consumerism right up next to each other and so <clears throat> i really feel that you know india has this 
amazing access to spirituality um, that to this day, uh, I've never felt that depth in any other country um, since. So I do think that you have the ability to get the word out and actually be able to um, make a difference because there is that depth there. People are seeking it. So what what is the experience that you have when you talk to people with this grassroots? Do people come to you and tell you, you know, the stars are a source of inspiration? I know that you're saying that there's a lot of people that just simply don't have access. But when you do come across someone who has access, what's their message? Uh, so what are you asking? You're asking that uh, when I come across someone who has access to it and their experience. Yes. Yes. All right. So. Uh, when uh, the people who have regular access to uh, these uh, the proper night sky, those people, I mean, the, the, the life or the nightlife, the whole life of the people is really different from the ones we are living in the Indian cities. They, they are living a proper, uh, they are having a proper sleep schedule. They are, uh, they're sleep, uh, they're sleeping on time. They are not taking any medicines. Their immunity is so strong. But, I mean, uh, just now in, uh, as the pandemic grew in India, the places that are a little isolated and that have a uh, that have dark places, as they are a little isolated from the other cities, the the number of cases there were were uh, as same as the cities only, but the uh, the uh, the recovery rate over there it was it was so great that uh, that uh, these places were free from coronavirus. Uh, 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 I mean. I think five to six months ago only, and in the second wave too, that is wow. currently going on in India, and the second wave too that is currently going on in India, the states, uh, these states didn't uh, witness much of a uh, of a rise in the uh, cases, because as uh, as they have a proper night, uh, as they have a proper nightlife, as they pro have a proper access to these things, they have a proper life that we are missing out on. That's incredible. So you're linking a place's uh, connection to the stars with healthier immunity and therefore a healthier response rate to the coronavirus where it didn't change the number of cases, but the outcome was better. That's what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, it's uh... the same thing in Africa, too, actually. The uh, they've observed the same trend that, you know, when and the, when the pandemic started, everyone talked about an African disaster. And it never occurred. And there's been no vaccination. There's been no campaigns. There's been no social distancing. There's been none of that um, in these areas. Like, that's unheard of. Like, I, social distancing in an Indian, I hate to say this, but in an Indian slum is not possible. They, they don't do that. It, they, there's no yeah, such thing as social distancing. It's not a thing. You can't do it. Um, people live, 10 people they live in a 100-square-foot room. Um, and the bed is the table and, um, sanitization, disinfection, these types of things. But, uh, the, the pandemic has been worse on the other people that do not live in slums actually. And, exactly. um, it's been worse on them largely because a lot of them are diabetic and, um, they have a whole bunch of comorbidities. And so there, there's India is actually when it comes to COVID nineteen a very and and health is a very fascinating case study right now, um, for a lot of different reasons. But this show is not about that. <laughs> but um, so that's interesting. 
Uh, we're not obviously, Jane. We're not connecting seeing the stars to curing COVID nineteen or preventing SARS CoV two infections. Obviously, we're not doing that. But what we're saying is a better relationship to the Earth and our our, our immune systems are related to these things. And it's yeah. very difficult to pin down what it is, but you know, certainly um, we have to advocate for a return to this somehow. And as Jane said earlier, the lack of perspective. The the problem is that there's a smallness to our mentality now that our ancestors didn't have. There, there, the the uh, the expansive view of the universe does something to humans. I know it because I've interviewed many people about this now. There is something to this that we need to reestablish. How do you get this on Narendra Modi's desk? Deep. How do we get it to Narendra Modi? Yeah. Actually, <laughs> I am trying. I am trying to uh, do this right now because there is a a show he does on every Sunday that is Monkey Bath. In the, it's a radio show, so in that he takes letters from people. They, they have their problems, they have their appreciations. So I have been sending it from uh, two months now. Every week I send that letter, and I hope that someday it will reach reach to his office. And I mean, it'll at least uh, it'll at least put this thing into uh, into the uh, ears of the public. The there has to be a way to get this message to him it would be interesting i would say that the first country that adopts this or goes after this is going to be seen as a world leader in environmentalism and it's an easy issue to solve actually i think that it would be a no-brainer for him to embrace um a discussion with you and have it um so we need to get that not just to children but we need to get to the narendra modis of the, the prime ministers and the leaders and make this an issue on their desk that that is real and impactful um so I commend you for trying, and I hope, I hope if you get on that, you have to send it to us. <laughs> yeah, sure. I will. Well, I, you know, getting back to uh, some some of the work that you do, um, deep, which I think is so about this inspiration, this natural, beautiful escape. Uh, I actually the other day I was a little stressed out, and I found my brain saying, "I'm so tired of the uncertainty." And then, and then I was like, well, you were just writing about the fact that when you look at the stars, you confront uncertainty, you confront the unknown and the unknowable. And I think when we, we take that departure to confront what is really, truly uncertain and not whether or not, you know, that thing is going to come through in your life, the minutiae. You know, when we avoid the minutia and we start focusing on the actual uncertainty, uncertainty of what it is to be alive, to exist, I think this really is a very calming sense for our immune system where we sort of surrender and let go. And, and is that what you're saying was sort of happening to you as a child when you were growing up, when you were yeah, confronting I, this? Yeah, that's the same thing that happened to me and that happens to me right now and I know that will keep happening to me until the end because really I have established a relationship with the stars that uh, that uh, fills me with uh, spiritual powers and uh, I somehow end up being a better person uh, afterwards. Yes. That's actually very important what you just said. You know, and why? Uh, why? Like that... That's the, that's the question that, you know, why are you, you just said that you're a better person like that. That seems absurd to people. 
I'm, I, I'm, I'm telling you, like people that don't understand the issue, be like, how could seeing the stars make you a better person? How could have a re- having a, re- it's obvious. You just flip it around. It's obvious having a relationship with the universe is actually very powerful. You know, you could flip it on. But why? Why does it? Why does it? Why did it help you? And how can we spread this message? Uh, I think that it helped me, and it helps a lot of people because of the fact that. We uh, first of all, the, you said that we can flip the question that we are connected to the universe after all. But uh, there's also thing uh, thing that uh, when we look up, when we look up to the stars, uh, we feel peace. That's that's the point that we have been missing all the time. Peace is the only thing that can make us a better person because we are we are living in a world of chaos right now. And in this world of a rush hour, night sky is a cool down. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It is this amazing counterpoint and counterbalance to our days. And that sounds so obvious. But when I say that, I really feel the weight of the night and the night sky as really countering what we really exist with in our days. And that without that counterbalance, we're sort of just kind of running on empty. Uh, what are some of your exciting projects on the horizon? What are you planning to do to get more of the word out? Right, so I have a really big project on the way. That is, I am currently about to finish a book that is a collection of poems. And in that, there is a specific section assigned to the about light pollution, about light pollution and the and the open letter to stars, or open letter to the night sky like that. And uh, uh, with that book, I'll be, uh, I'll, because that book doesn't just contain about the problem of light pollution. It's a, uh, it's an open-ended book, but in the end, there's a section, a specific section with around 10 to 12 po- poetries and open letters about this problem. So uh, this, this will reach out to more and more people. And also, uh, the, all the uh, profits that, uh, that will be earned through this will go in directly into the initiative that I have right now, let's say your stars initiative. And a second project that I have uh, in uh, on the horizon is uh, I'm start trying to start an uh, in advoc- advocacy internship program because I don't really have a team uh, with me. Uh, since three years, I have been doing work with Seva Stars, but every every year, just uh, I have in the team, I have some people who volunteer. I have some friends who volunteer, and every year the uh, people uh, the uh, every year the volunteers change. So there is no uh, certainty in uh, how how my next project will turn out. So that's why I'm trying to build up a team that will uh, uh, that will help me, uh, that will help me, uh, first of all, manage the uh, Seva Stars page and help me conduct the events. Because uh, in the last, since the pandemic, I have been doing the doing this on my own and I don't have a problem in that. But after the pandemic, when I have to do offline events, that will be a, a really great problem for me because I have tried to do this to do the problem, do this events alone before, and that resulted in a lot of chaos. Well, it's really funny that you mentioned about trying to build community uh, to work towards this, uh, this effort. Um, because Mike and I were on the phone the other day, and I said, there's this expression I learned in India, which is one is one, and two is 11 meaning that there is this amplification that happens when you are a community and you are all pivoting around this idea because if i'm just one person maybe i'm the crazy star lady who wants to get our stars back but 
if I'm multiple people, then there's something to be heard and, and you can have a lot more power there. So I think it's really amazing that you're trying to um, clone yourself or develop other people to be able to spread this message. I think that's super important. Jane, you are the crazy star lady. So face it. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I love the way you uh -huh. said, <laughs> I love the way you said really good problem. That's interesting. Um, you know, uh, I always talk about there's good problems and bad problems. There's good mistakes and bad mistakes. You know, there, there's, and so I think the world with the, with the darkness issue has a really good problem um, because we can solve it. We have the technology. There's no issue. Um, it's just a matter of uh, advocacy, awareness, and then deployment. That's it. There's no engineering that needs to be done. There's no scientific discovery. There's nothing that needs to be done. Narendra Modi, you need to get deep in on in your office right now and talk about this. Uh, we're going we're gonna to tag him on Twitter too to send this message. Do a little clip. I'm calling out Narendra Modi, the Prime Minister of India. He's got to talk to deep and listen to people that are, are expressing this issue. What a wonderful gift it would be if, if we were to able to give back India and Canada and America and, and places in Africa and, and Europe back, give them back their heritage. Um, you know, without borders and without ethnicities or anything, with this shared heritage we all have a right to, um, you know, it would be such a wonderful, wonderful problem to solve. I love that. A really good problem. That is a good problem, actually. Let's solve it. Come on. <laughs> Um, so what is what is on the horizon for your work and uh, what do you what do you hope in the next five years to accomplish? Okay, so in the next uh, in the upcoming years, I have uh, actually there's a uh, there's a person that is trying to establish a dark sky place in India uh, that it's in uh, it's near Nagpur in Maharashtra. So uh, over there, I. I plan to after the after the restrictions are, are gone. I plan to visit there and try. I'm currently also I'm trying to help him as a, as a, in the application process. And we we both try plan to uh, uh, establish a dark service in India because that will be a thing that uh, we have for ad, our advocacy and also we are giving a gift to the night sky viewers. They can visit there and uh, after we have done something this big in in India. We have a baseline on we can uh, on which we can establish an even greater organization or even greater community. That's wonderful, wonderful. Wow, Mike, do you have any last questions for Deep? Well, Maharashtra seems to be in the uh, I think it's the uh, west, like southwest India. Um, yeah, southwest. South. Yeah, so that that would that be India's first dark sky park yeah that will be yes for example you know i think that's a reasonable goal you know i mean some i mean you know uh for for us for starving for darkness jane i think it's really to get the the awareness to people about light trespass light pollution dark skies darkness dark water all these things that really matter um and so we're trying to raise awareness uh I, I think that that's a, a fantastic goal. Uh, I commend you deep on your work and your age, 17 years old. Um, Thank you. Keep it going, brother. <laughs> and I, I will say, Linnea Tillich, she's a 
very acclaimed lighting designer here in the States. And I remember seeing her speak about 10 years back. And she said, if you want to be a better lighting designer, read more poetry. Mm. So I think you're absolutely <laughs> onto something deep through your poetry, through your writing. It's so palpable, your love of the stars, and it's infectious. Mm -hmm. And so thank you so much for your work and all of your grassroots movement. Uh, and we just are so thankful to have you on. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for inviting me on this podcast. It was a really great experience. Hey, don't go anywhere yet because we have some instructions for you. It's Michael and Greg from Get a Grip on Lighting. Yeah, we do the ads for Starving for Darkness. You got to go to keystonetech.com. That's K-E-Y-S-T-O-N-E-T-E-C-H.com. Light made easy, Greg. You've been rattled that off real well. Uh, there's a new line of exterior fixtures from Keystone that they have available, and they're going to continue to expand on it, and they're doing things right. And one of those that they're doing right is in their wall packs. They're making them full cut off. That's going to eliminate undesirable sky glow and glare. And that's what we all want. It looks nice. It fits a profile of a lot of your old nasty fixtures and has multiple wattages and kelvins that can cover you there. Get rid of those old nasties. Go to keystonetech.com. That's K-E-Y-S-T-O-N-E-T-E-C-H.com. Thanks for listening to Starving for Darkness. Bye for now.